It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, happy Thursday to everybody. We got a killer show for you today. The Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons, is going to be here at 2.10. David Force, the general manager, at 2.30. And last night's hero, we can call him, James Caprellian, who got the victory, will be here at 2.45. So Gammons at 2.10, Forrest at 2.30, Caprellian at 2.45. And what a game it was for him. You know, you think about your debut, starting debut, at Fenway Park against a team that's got one of the best records in the game, and and it goes double walk base hit out of the gate. I mean, your mind's got to be just spinning. Like, oh, my God, what's going on? He ends up only giving up one run, and that was the only run the Boston Red Sox would get as the A's would win 4-1. to one. And now, going for, let's be honest, the rare three-game sweep of the Boston Red Sox in Boston. It's not easy to do, but cannot wait. Watching this team has been so much fun. I mean, just, I mean, they're gritty. They're tough. And we've mentioned that, you know, over the years of winning 95, uh, winning 97 games, losing in the playoffs, yes, we don't like it, but the reality is it, it makes you battle-hardened. And that's where these guys are. And I mentioned it last night on the post-game show, and I'll mention it again. You know, the fact that you do this at Fenway Park, it really makes everybody wake up. As sad as that may be, but the reality is, as Cody will tell you, when you listen to, like, Buster Only's podcast, it's Yankees, 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 and then some more Yankees, and some Mets, and some Red Sox. I mean, you look at MLB Network as someone with the Yankees sneezes, that leads off the A block. But when you go to Fenway Park, they're now all watching. And the A's are looking for their first three-game sweep at Fenway Park since when? September 1990. 
Cody, where were you September 1990? That was two months before my second birthday. Uh, so um, I was still a spry one and three quarters years old at that point. Uh, and I listened to Buster Only's podcast today because I was curious. I wanted to see where Buster – and we love Buster. And we're not trying to get on him because he's a friend at one of the – well, he's probably our best friend from ESPN. But I was listening to see what he would talk about. And Central DAs are playing the Red Sox and where he placed them. Uh, Dodgers, Mariners, that was a blowout game, although the Mariners are calling up Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert, their top two prospects, and they're still top two of their top three prospects. Uh, you had Yankees in there because they're about to sweep the Rays. Uh, Mets were in there. He, for some reason, always throws the Indians in there for some reason. And then there was a couple other teams. No mention of the A's nor the Red Sox in the entire opening segment when he goes through the highlights of what happened last night. But really? no, but he did. But there was a bleacher tweet at the end and we can get to the audio maybe later or, or whatnot. I pulled it. Someone asked him about, you know, Buster, the A's, you know, 13 game winning streak, you know, taking two or three from the Rays. They've already taken two games against the Red Sox. When are they going to get some love? And Buster pretty much said, you know, they, you know, they, you know, the, the parity of wins in the American League doesn't really mean as much. But if he had to go back and pick, he would take the A's and win the American League West. I want to hear that right now. All right, let me let me get out. It starts with his producer uh, who's filling in, but here's this is from the Baseball Tonight podcast earlier today with Buster Olney. The Oakland A's won 97 games in 2018, 97 games in 2019. They played 600 ball in 2020, and now they lead the league in wins after taking two games from the Rays, followed by two games from the Red Sox. I mean, what do they have to do to be considered legit, Buster Only? Well, Mr. Jakey, they are legit. They've been in the playoffs, right? Uh, I would say this, that, you know, leading the league in wins so far <laughs> with the parity that we've seen in baseball is not as big of a deal. But the funny thing is, you know, when, they, when the uh, A's got off to that rough start, I remember talking about how it always feels like that when we get to the end of May, that's when Oakland really just sort of figures it out and then they just take off. Yeah, if I were to, you know, repick the division now, the American League West, I would pick Oakland to win it. The A's bullpen has thrown six scoreless innings in this series. And they've tossed 10 consecutive scoreless frames. In the team's last 11 victories, Oakland relievers have allowed just two earned runs in 33 innings. Think about that. Last 11 victories, relievers have allowed just two earned runs in 33 innings. Now, I know your PSAC math is not that good, Cody, but do you know what that ERA is? Two earned runs in 33 innings? Um, I'm going to say it's, it's under one. 0.55. Yeah, see, I told you it was under one. I mean, that's amazing. That really is amazing. And you got the guy on the mound tonight. I mean, he was throwing a no-no recently, last time we saw him in action against the Rays. The A's have won each of Manaya's last six starts. And during that span, he's 3-0 and with a 2.23 ERA. As much as Cody, you want to give the Cy Young Award to Cole Irvin. Sean Manai has been dominant. Uh, yeah, he's pitched very well. I mean, we were uh, we we were watching him pitch a perfect game at the Coliseum last Friday, 
and then it turned into a no-hitter, and then it turned, just turned into a, a shutout, then it turned into, well, let's just get the win, and, you know, it ended up happening. But he's pitched very well. He's looked great this year. And Cole Irvin had a rough, you know, he's still got a quality start. A's are second in the league in quality starts. They have 19 quality starts from their starters. Only the Dodgers have more. So the A's are first in the American League, but t- second in baseball in that category. Uh, they are second in baseball in innings pitched from their starting pitchers. So they, their starting pitchers have given them a lot of length, which is something we haven't seen from a lot of teams this year. But the A's have been doing that. And Minaya is one of the leading candidates for that, and he's pitched very well. Um, he, remember, he also has a no-hitter in his career against the Red Sox. Now it happened at the Coliseum three years ago, but he still has a no-hitter versus Red Sox team that had Bogart and some of the other guys in, in the lineup. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a pitch. And the, the A's against Garrett Richards, who pitches tonight. Um, he's 3-4 in his career versus the A's, but there's a lot of guys in the lineup that have some success against him. Even Vimael Machin has uh, success against Garrett Richards. So that's a good sign if, if he's in the lineup tonight. Well, I don't know about that. but <laughs> the, there, there's, one, there's one thing I was looking at, because I heard this stat from Tim Kirchner the other day, and I wanted to tra- track it for the A's. The A's won the game last night with 12 strikeouts, so their hitters struck out 12 times. That's the seventh time they won this year with double-digit strikeouts. Seven. Now, to give you context, the most they've had all year in a win was 14 against Arizona on, on April 13th. The Tampa Bay Rays lead Major League Baseball in strikeouts. They, they're blowing everyone away in strikeouts for hitters. You know how you know many uh, games they've won with double-digit strikeouts this year? They have 19 wins. How many of them do you think they won with double-digit strikeouts? 19. 14 of them. There was one game they won with 15 13 and multiple 12 or more strikeouts. That is incredible. It, it's it's a joke. It, it, it literally is a joke how much people strike out. I am tired of hearing about the pitching's better, there's more velocity, uh, the substances that they're using, that's increasing spin rate. That probably all is true. But what also is true is these guys don't care about striking out. And bottom line, our own our own hitting coach, Darren Bush, talked about that. Batting average doesn't matter. Strikeouts don't matter. So until you actually tell these guys putting the ball in play matters, uh, their approach is the same. They're trying to hit it. You know, it, it's, it, it's kind of like, the same thing that's happening in golf. Everybody's just getting up there and hit it as hard as you can, and wherever it goes, you go find it and hit it again. I mean, it's the same thing with baseball. Every guy's getting up there with huge swings. You know, there's some guys that I've, I've been watching. I mean, obviously, I watch every game. There's some guys that are a little bit different. One of them is Mitch Moreland. I mean, have you noticed, Cody, how many times Mitch Moreland has now beaten the shift yeah. going opposite field, and he did it again last night where he hit one down the third base line? I mean, it's pretty refreshing to watch. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a professional hitter up there, as, uh, as, oh, some, as some, right. <laughs> some would say. He's, he's a, a competitor. He's a competitor. He's a professional hitter. He knows what he's doing up there. He's been in the league for a while. He's a veteran. Oh, God. All right, earlier today, we caught up with the Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons. Always an honor to have him on the program. Well, it's always great to have the Hall of Famer on once again. Peter, it's great to hear your voice. How was life treating you? 
it's treating me very well. I mean, it's baseball season. It's beautiful weather. We're getting closer to a, a normal life at the, excuse me, as a ballpark. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so much better than, you know, being sort of sheltered and locked up in a press box. And uh, it's nec- I know that all that, excuse me, again, was necessary, but it's just great to get back to some normalcy. I still love going to, to what, different games on every level. I mean, so it happens that this is probably the best year in the history of baseball for prospects in the East Coast. So I'm, I get to see a lot of them and, and uh, um, as well as, you know, big league games. It's, it's a, it's a good, and it's a really interesting season. I mean, we have a lot of great storylines, <clears throat> obviously with, you know, I mean, uh, Otani is a great storyline and there, there are many others. But I think the biggest thing is most every division has something that fascinates me. I want to, I, I, I want to see it each night. I want to read about it more every morning. I think that's what that really does make this game so much fun. And I mean, your two Bay Area teams, um, to me, they're fascinating. I mean, the, the A's are, they're really good. They're very tough. You know, I know that we'll see how the bullpen holds up as we, as we go along over the season. But, um, you know, first of all, Bob Melvin does an unbelievable job. But, you know, I mean, once you have Chapman and, and everybody hitting, I mean, I, I just think it's uh, the division the with Houston, the A's, uh, I think it's going to be really, really good. You know, a lot of people always overlook the A's, and I think there was a lot of people going into this season who overlooked the A's once again, which it's hard to believe. But I know how well connected you are to the A's, as it wasn't that long ago where Bob Melvin, we do the Bob Melvin show, he's like, I'm on the phone with Peter Gammons. Uh, I'm going to be a little late, and then I know how well you know Billy Bean, David Forrest. You've always been well connected with our organization. For one thing, it's the most imaginative organization. They're really good at finding players who can fill roles, and they understand roles. They, I think what's so good about David and Billy and, and, uh, 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 and BMO is tremendous at it, but they concentrate on what players can do, not what they can't do. And they end up putting things together in a really interesting way because of that. It's, I mean, I happen to be a huge Jed Lowry fan, uh, professionally and personally. But I mean, they understand. I mean, Jed's a switch hitter. He's 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 very bright. He understands a lot of things about the game, and so he's had he's had physical problems. If he can't play, the A's go, oh, he's not in the lineup. They appreciate what he is, and uh, it's his record here at Oakland is unbelievable. I mean. I mean, to, to think that we're here uh, in the middle of May and, and Chapman's hitting 217, that's that's not going to last. I mean, he, that's going to go way up. Loriano's going to go up. Olsen's going to go up. I thought they made a, a great, very underrated uh, signing in Mitch Moreland. I mean, the, the ovations he's been getting in Boston have been incredible. But that's, I mean, wherever he goes, I live in a town born in Massachusetts on the Cape. He played for the Bourne Braves, and to this day, over the last 20 years, he's still the most popular player who ever played there just because he treated people so well, and 
I know in the Red Sox, he was absolutely Mr. Teammate. And that kind of guy, plus he could still hit. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw it on TV, but I thought the, the embrace between Moreland and Alex Cora was tremendous. I mean, you know, I mean, Alex, obviously they won a World Series. Never forget the home run he hit against the Dodgers, which was absolutely huge. And those guys are professionals, uh, the right people. And I, I just think it really fits together. I'm, the A's have done a great job with the pitching. It's just a matter of, you know, are they going to have enough depth as the season goes along? Because I think one of the biggest issues of this season is last year, I mean, nobody was through more than, what, 75 innings. How far everyone can go. I mean, I, I still believe you're going to probably need eight or nine starters before the year's over. But, I mean, getting Bassett back, he was tremendous the other night. I mean, I, uh, I love Cole Irvin. I, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really interesting team. And um, I think Houston, the first six guys in that order, are the best, that's the best in baseball. But, I mean, they've had some injuries on their pitching staff, and they've, they've got a real lack of depth in the bullpen. So it's going to be interesting to see how Dusty can put it together. That has a chance to be a great race. As, as the year goes along, plus the color of having the Angels having two great players. What a great stat. Somebody went, went and looked at Billy Hamilton running around and getting a triple last night and uh, the, the speed that he was at and looked it up, compared it. It's just a Billy Hamilton was just a little bit slower than Otani's speed on triples. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it makes it every day. You just go, wow, there's something here. I mean, Garrett Cole, 56 strikeouts and no walks. Uh, well, he just started today for Milwaukee, who right now has got 49 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, this is a great – I think it might be the best pitching, I would say since 68, but I'm not sure there's ever been pitching quite like what it is right now, especially with guys like Cole and, and, and the Brewer group. Yeah, how, how do you feel about some of the people who go – well, it, it, it's kind of like almost a steroid era with all the substances that the pitchers are using. I don't have a problem with it because as long as you're going to have hitters that they get to use everything for their bat, they got they they have arm guards, they have guards for their legs. Um, the, the fact that pitchers are using things now, I mean, where do you weigh in on that? Well, I, I I think it can be limited, and I think that they will be able to do it, but. Um, the way baseball is being trained today um, with these absurd showcases and these awful places where, well, you judge pitchers by how hard they throw. Of course, they get into professional baseball. They can't throw strikes, so they only pitch one inning at a time. They get to the major league. We're going to have two or three players maimed, really badly injured this year. If, if this whole, I mean, these, I know these showcase people make a lot of money. But um, they've really hurt the game. They're also kids throwing 100 miles an hour at 20 years old. Uh, it's really good for the orthopedic surgeons, but nobody else. There are some really great pitches. Cole last night was, was so good. And there are others that are very different. I mean, watching Ryu with Toronto, who, who because of his body, people don't realize the guy's a great athlete. His ability to repeat his delivery, field his position, do all that. That was art to watch, too. I mean, and Max Freed, who could have been the number one pick as a center fielder coming out of high school, 
I mean, watch those two guys, Ryu and, and Freed. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Just, I just say, enjoy the pitching. It's like, you know, Warren Zevon, enjoy every sandwich and then, uh, um, move on. And there's so many, there's some fascinating players uh, to, to see, I mean, around in the sport. And, um, so I'm so happy just to have it back. It's, uh, it's really great. And I just, you know, I wish, I wish we had a new ballpark and also we could stay there, but that's not my decision. I don't have the money to bail them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we would love if you, you'd be a part of that. I mean, uh, bring all that old Boston Globe money here to the Bay Area and help us out. <laughs> well, actually, some of the uh, the people who started the Globe and um, that, that built the Globe, um, one of the members of the family um, was, out and, uh, was out in California and went to Stanford and uh, – Got Harry Hooper and about three or four other guys for the West Coast and won like free World Series. So there is a little bit of a, a there's a little bit of a relationship there. You know what I miss? And I remember when we first, you know, actually had the internet. I mean, dating all of us here, but I your Sunday column with all the notes was what was such a must read. And I remember the last time uh we had you on was uh, I, I, I was doing the Giants and Barry Bonds was going for the home run race. And it was the day that he hit his 73rd home run and you were at Pac Bell Park. But I just remember how much fun it was and looking forward to your Sunday notes. I mean, when you look back at that, I'm sure a lot of people ask you about that. But when you look back at that, how great was that for you in your career to put that out and knowing that everybody in baseball couldn't wait to read those on Sunday morning. Well, I, I'm, uh, it's a great compliment, but I, I started it because <clears throat> that's what I always wanted to read as a kid. Dick Young would have notes, dots and dashes in the New York Daily News back in the sixties um, and, and early seventies, but it wasn't just exclusively baseball. I always thought that you should have a sports specific Sunday column, and I was a young writer. It was, uh, um, I was actually did it in 1971. Well, I wasn't covering the Red Sox regularly. I did sidebar, I did some, but um, I started on minor leaguers and people liked it because this is a, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to live in a baseball mad area. And then 1972, which was my first full year covering baseball on the major league level, um, I, they said, go ahead, try it, see what happens. And it took off. And, uh, um, I just, there, there's, it's very different today because information is available everywhere. It wasn't then. I mean, I can remember when I lived back in, in, in Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, on Sundays, I used to, when I go on my run, I would run to Harvard square and go to the out of town newsstand and get like, 10 or 12 newspapers and I go have coffee and read them, fold them up, just keep the sports sections, roll them up under my arm and run the four and a half miles uh, back to my house. And I think that's, there, there were millions of us who really felt the same way. I mean, we just we love the information. We like the, we like to know what's going on with things, rumors, all the rest. So, I mean, I was just really fortunate to, uh, uh, work for a newspaper that um, just said, 
we love sports. Um, go ahead and try it. There's no harm. If you fail, you fail. And that's, that's, that's the opportunity all of us want. You know, I've actually been in Billy Bean's office when you've been on the phone with him before. Um, I know what a great relationship you have with him. Just talk about his career, your career, and what your guys' relationship has been like over the years. Well, um, I met Billy when he was still playing. I mean, I, it was, uh, I believe, 1989. Um, and uh, <clears throat> just, you know, he's always been so enthusiastic. He's really smart and really fun. I mean, he loved the scouting. He loved so many levels. I remember, you know, when there were times when the A's didn't have money and he used to get excited when the minor league free agents were announced because he would line up and go go after play. I love that. I mean, that enthusiasm and his creativity was, to me, was always uh, terrific. I, I thought the combination. I mean, I, it fascinated me. I obviously covered games in the Coliseum in the seventies when there would be like three thousand people there. Called they closed most of the concession stands, and then the ownership changed, and it was. Uh, I really believe that the Haas family, Roy Eisenhart and then Sandy, have never gotten enough credit in, in baseball history for the rejuvenation of a franchise. I mean, I know that, you know, demographics changed, economics changed, but what they did to revive that franchise, it was so much fun going to games with Billy Martin when he had all those starting pitchers and, and then, uh, and then of course the great teams, in the late 80s and early 90s because um, that franchise was really dead in like 1978, 79. Um, and yet I remember very well at a game, I think it had like 2,000 people in the ballpark and the Red Sox were playing the A's and Steve Renko had a no-hitter you know, going into the ninth inning and <clears throat> The, the young guy, about two weeks into the big leagues, Ricky Henderson broke it up, immediately ended up scoring, a run, you know, created a run. And I'm just thinking, is this, is it possible? I mean, is this guy as good? And he, of course, he's kind of flashy, so the, the more traditional Red Sox players didn't like him at all. But I thought it was just so cool. He was bringing something into the game that we didn't have. Little did I know that he would be one of the greatest players who ever played. And I, I, Thoroughly believe that's true, but um, you, you remember that stuff. I mean, it's part of. That's why I hate to to see you know the, the A's having the problems of being able to stay in Oakland and the Coliseum falling apart. I understand. I'm glad I'm not using the clubhouses and so forth. But it was just so. It's been so much fun, and and uh, uh, the Bay Area is such a great baseball area that that uh, um, you know. I've, I've almost given up wanting to read about can the A's make it? Can they get a ballpark? Can they just tell me yes or tell me no? Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of all in that boat because we've been de- we've been dealing with this for a long time. Uh, let Let's end on this because we know h- how big you are in music. What are you into right now? If you could tell our listeners what 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 they could uh, be be looking forward to. Peter Gammons, right now, what are you big into right now when you look at a certain band or certain music? 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm, right now I'm focused on, we have a, uh, we have a, a fundraising concert and virtual, virtual concert uh, online. You can go to uh, uh, hostelcoolmusic.com. And I do believe this is the first time in history we have a bill with Eddie Vedder and Yo-Yo Ma. Wow. They're both playing in this concert. That's, I think, well, that kind of sums up some of our person, Theo Epstein's personality, my personality. Bernie Williams, um, all the people who play with us. So uh, that, that's once I get by Tuesday night, we get by that fundraiser. We raise money for nonprofits in uh, in Boston and Chicago. Uh, I'll move back on to a, a couple of other bands. <laughs> hey, it is always an honor to have you on the program. Thank you so much. Be well, be safe, and let's talk later on during the season. Please, definitely. If you, there'll be a great pennant race in Oakland, so. Uh, I'm very happy to be on. I'd love it. That's the Hall of Famer Peter Gammons right there. And, Cody, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, his Sunday notes were must-read. And that's back when we first, you know, um, we first had the Internet and... Obviously, papers weren't very smart, and they didn't realize that people were going to stop buying the paper and that they need to make money off their websites. Uh, and But you could go on to Boston Globe's website and, and read them, and it was you know, that's where you learned all these little notes about all the different teams. His notes, I, I guarantee you, David Forrest used to read these. I guarantee you. I remember you tell me about them, like how legendary the notes were. And like, you know, Buster does something like that on ESPN now where he does his Sunday notes. And I, it's nothing near what, what Peter Gammons did. My memories of Peter Gammons, besides MLB Network, obviously, and being a Hall of Fame writer with the Globe, is him on Baseball Tonight. That was where I remember him from growing up. Because back in the day, remember, it was him and Harold Reynolds and, you know, the, the, the whole crew, Carl Ravitz, like the crew they had back then. You know, most of those guys are on MLB Network now, obviously. I mean, you know, for good reason, because ESPN doesn't fixate on baseball anymore. Um, I mean, they just had a bidding war over Wayne Gretzky for hockey. So, um, they're, they're, I don't think they're bidding over uh, over baseball analysts, but um, I, it, was, it was great to try to get, you know, to connect with Peter again and have him on. And talk about a list of uh, not just musicians, but a who's who. Bernie Williams, Peter Gammons, Theo Epstein. Um, that's a nice list of uh, – people that's going to be there, be there at this uh, charity concert. So that's a nice thing that Peter's doing there with the music as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great Peter Gammons right there. That man's a legend. And David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, now joins us here on A's Cast Live. You got a, you got a tough act to follow. We just had Peter Gammons on the show. Oh, man. I never want to be in that position. So we're Guys, guys known more baseball in the last hundred years than I will ever know. Well, I was just talking about it, and, and you and I are old enough to remember back in the day when he was working for the Boston Globe, his Sunday column with the baseball notes was must-read. I, I know you probably read that too back in the day. A hundred percent, yeah. And I, I got to go to school in Boston in the 90s when he was still writing it, and Got the, the hard copy in college, and um, yeah, I mean, there's a, 
another time, there's a long story about my dad harassing Peter Gammons on a plane flight to come watch me play in college. So, uh, yeah, but uh, no, he Peter set the standard for a lot, a lot of ways the game is covered today. Now, there is an art to dealing with guys like Peter Gammons or Ken Rosenthal or Bob Nightingale for you general managers of what you really want them to know, what you don't want them to know. Uh, I, I know Billy back in the day was a master at it. Tell us what that relationship is like when a national guy calls you and you're going to give him, you, maybe you don't give him everything. You give him some things. What is that like? <laughs> I feel a little bit like you're setting me up based on something Peter told you about our relationship in the last few minutes. Um, no, it's, yeah, there's there's definitely a little dance that you do there. And, and, you know, obviously those guys are trying to do their job and write stories and break news and, and get information. It's it's a different relationship than you have with, say, the beat writers who are covering, it, covering the team every day. Um, but there's, you know, there's a give and take. I mean, they, they have information from everywhere else around the game that maybe helps you out. If, you know, you give something, they give something. And um, But it's also... You know, it's also an opportunity for for your team to get uh, get noticed, get something good written about them, and so on. So it's you know, most of the guys you deal with, um, I, I say guys, most of the men and women you deal with uh, are pretty knowledgeable about your team and what's going on. So it's usually an easy conversation. You, you know, we we're gonna have James Caprellian on here at two forty five, and I just think about his story uh, with his mother. Tommy John, injuries, hasn't pitched a lot. And then, of course, you know, the last year or so, being at the alternate site, taxi squad, just how happy were were you for him yesterday to see him get through that first inning and collect the victory at Fenway Park? <laughs> well, I would like to say I was happy, as happy for him as his dad was, but <laughs> I think the whole, the whole world knows that's not true. Uh, what a, what an incredible show that was yesterday with the I mean the split screen with his dad and it was really it was really special and and obviously so happy it turned out as well as it did after after those first three hitters I, I wasn't wasn't quite as sure we were going to have a storybook ending but uh, but captain incredible job got himself and got the team through five innings and nice to get him that win but yeah I mean there's so much that these guys go through and then cap more than most you know he, he came over he was still rehabbing when we made the trade uh and he gets healthy pitches you know pitches in the fall league and then he gets hurt again and he just you know he put in so much time down in uh, in arizona and guys i know guys go down there and they feel kind of lost and unseen like they're you know hard to know what they're even rehabbing for um so when you see someone break through like that and, and have a moment like Cap did. It's, you know, it's a huge testament to him, but it's also, it's a huge organizational victory. And, and you think about all the guys who, who've had literally had a hand on James over the last five years and um, just a, a really great day. I was, I was, you know, glad to see him enjoy it. Glad to see his family and friends there to enjoy it. It was, it was a special one. You know, when I think about the start of 23 and 15, we're just so used to the team getting off to a slow start and then getting in gear May, June. How nice has it been to get out to just a, a really solid start? Well, 
maybe we got our whole bad start out of the way in the first six games. How about how about we go with that theory? Um, we we played enough you know enough bad baseball the first six games to last the whole first half. But it is it is nice to be where we are, and, and you feel like every win you can bank right now feels important because because we know things are going to be so tight, and because we do feel like uh, we play better as the year goes along. So if, if we can bank some wins now and, and play good baseball the way they're doing, uh, it just it, it feels a little bit like house money, and, and it's it's nice to be in that position for once. And, and I think about the way the schedule is lined up. It's very odd. It's like the A's got traded the to the American League <laughs> East. But but one thing that I, I think is a real positive is you've gotten Tampa out of the way. You're now getting Boston out of the way. And Baltimore's out of the way. So you're not going to have to do that many East Coast road trips anymore. I know you're still going to have the Jays and the Yankees, but is that nice to, to, to battle with it now and you're not going to have to worry about it later on in the season? Yeah, from a, a travel standpoint, we always look at things like that. Later, later in the year, doing a, you know, a three-city, ten-game trip is always – always rough on you in uh, August or September. So from that standpoint, it is nice. Um, it's a little strange that we're here on May you know, 13th, whatever it is, and we haven't seen Seattle, Anaheim, or Texas. Um, and we'll obviously get our fill of those three teams here starting in a couple of weeks. But to not have played those teams in our division, um, you know, it, 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 you have to sort of figure out where you, you stand up against those guys. So I think that'll be a good test, but – um, but, yeah, like you said, nice to get some of those Eastern teams out of the way. Chad Pender's going to be back, and that's going to be great for Bob Melvin in so many ways. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Elvis is starting to hit a little bit. But when Chad comes back, how much shortstop do you think he, he'll be playing? I think that's still to be determined. He obviously he played there his first night on rehab in Las Vegas, played the outfield the second night. Uh, I believe he'll be in the lineup tonight in Reno, uh, also at shortstop. And, and that's as much just because it's a place he has not played a lot in recent years. And in fact, when we talked in the offseason about the possibility of Chad playing there, uh, it just the, the, the biggest thing was just he hasn't done it very much. And, you know, we had a guy who played 162 games a year up until this season. And then once we got Elvis, uh, you know, Chad continued to move around. So part of it is just getting in some, some reps. Um, but I think it's going to be an option. I mean, we've always said, and I, I've said it many times on this show, that, that Chad's value lies in his versatility and his ability to move around. And, and we've seen that over the last month, how much he's missed in the outfield or DH or pinch hitting right-handed, whatever the case. There have been so many times when uh, I know Bob is down there in the dugout just thinking, man, if I had Chad Pinder here, it would be the perfect spot. So, uh, we'll, we'll work him back slowly. I mean, he did miss, you know, almost six full weeks. So it's not like he's going to go in there and be able to play every day. We got to take care of his legs and, and think about the long haul. Uh, but I do think he'll be an option at shortstop on some nights. Well, you know, speaking of the minor leagues, it's so great to have it back. Uh, Cody and I actually went to a San Jose giants game against the Fresno Grizzlies. And just to see these kids back playing once again, 
And it was funny, the the kid that they draft, the Rockies drafted number one at a high school. He was the beer batter, so he struck out three times, so half off beer for the first part of the game. But just to see, you know, the barbecue, just to see minor league baseball back is so great. What's it like for you having all your players finally playing again? It's, you know, there's been so much talk about, you know, returning to normal or doing things normal. Like for us, the, the routine of the minor leagues is such a big part of our normal routine during the season. And, and you, you know, you've got at least four, if not more games to follow every night. You got game reports to read the next morning. You got sort of minor league moves and calls with coaches. It just, for us, it's, it's a real return to our normal routine. It's, it's been great. And, and the, the coaching staffs have been so pumped just to be out there and to, to get to write game reports and write evaluations and, and see these guys back on the field. And we've had some really good performances already early in the season. Um, you know, some guys finally getting out there and play, some guys getting out to higher levels. So it, uh, it has been fun. I, uh, I'm hoping to get out to Stockton here in the next couple of days and then uh, certainly catching, catching Lansing, Vegas, and Midland here as the season goes along. Were there any players because of the long layoff that didn't come back and just said, you know what, I, I got a job or uh, I'm moving on with my life? Were there any guys like that? I I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, to be honest. Um, you know, we had before Major League Camp, we had Nate Orff uh, voluntarily retire. Uh, but obviously Nate was, was with us a little bit last year and got to play, so – but I, I don't know that there's anybody in the minor leagues. I, I think, you know, you, you know the mindset of a minor league player. These guys are these guys are in it to get to the big leagues, and they're not going to let a little pandemic stand in their way. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so thankful these guys are back because I, I felt so bad for them. And you know, you guys are like the kings of, of finding talent on other teams. And I think about Cole Irvin, and a lot of people didn't even know who Cole was. When he came, when when you got him for cash, uh, what did you see in him that you thought that he could be the guy that's been performing the way he's been performing? Um, well, I, I, look, if I told you I, I knew he was going to do exactly this, I'd be lying. Um, but you know, any story with guys that we acquire, it usually goes back, you know, almost all the way to the draft. And that's the case in Cole's case. You know, he's a West Coast guy pitching up Oregon. Our, our scout up there, Jim Kaufman, really liked him out of college and it, it didn't work out to draft him. But but when you, you talk about guys in the draft room and you think about them and you have reports, you kind of kind of keep track of them. And uh, Cole had pitched so well in AAA in both 18 and 19 and really stood out as a starter there. Um, and, and all the things that you're seeing now is ability to pitch, command both sides of the plate. The changeup is is just always been outstanding. And um, you know we we go into the off season just looking for options and looking for depth. And and when the Phillies had to make a roster move, you know we had already expressed an interest at some point, so they they checked back in with us. And and those are, that's kind of the way you make those uh, those moves happen. Well, I mean, there's a lot of those moves that you've made. I mean, Mark Can is a Rule Five guy. I mean, it's still hard to believe that the Astros called you up and said, hey, are you interested in Ramon Laureano? <laughs> I mean, looking back on that, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to you gotta stay on top of it. Our, our scouts do a great job identifying players. We we have the conversations. You stay on it. And, um, you know, Billy's always said this is a transactional team. We need, we need to make sure that we 
we know where the players are and, and bring guys here and give them a chance to succeed. Uh, let, 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 let's end on this. Uh, now we've been, you know, we, 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 you know, this is going to be the 39th game. And I know you keep in contact with people. When, when does it start to heat up to where your phones start to ring and it's, it's GMs and assistant GMs and people start asking around about needs and wants. And when, when does that start to usually happen uh, early in a season? Well, the, the, the thing about this year, it's a little strange because that usually happens right after the draft and, and everybody, you know, usually come mid May to the first week in June, we're all starting to bear down and get into meetings, but uh, the draft moved back a month on us this year. So it's, it's going to be a little different calendar this season. And, you know, I still think it's probably, we're still a few weeks away, maybe a month away from, uh, from teams really getting down to knowing who they are and what they're looking for. So, but, but I will say the, the schedule of the draft is going to change the, uh, the, the conversations a little bit because we're all going to be distracted for a little longer, but um, yeah, you've got, you know, like I said, we're, we're about to have almost 40 games under our belt. I'd say once you get between 60 and 70 games, you, you have a pretty good idea what you need. I totally forgot about the draft. Are we having a full draft? We're having no. We're having a twenty-round draft, so it's uh, it's a medium draft. It's somewhere between last year and a normal draft, but uh, it's it's over the All-Star breaks. So that's that Sunday night, the eleventh of July, is the first round, and then the next two days we'll do two through ten, and then ten through twenty. <laughs> you remember back when we were playing? The draft was like seventy rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every kid wanted to be Piazza, wanted to be a sixty-second round pick, and and be that storybook ending but yeah we uh mlb decided a little while ago be 20 rounds this year and we'll go from there hey great stuff as always and uh you guys are doing a great job and the fact that uh everybody's staying safe everybody's playing big leagues minor leagues it's just a great accomplishment for the organization so congratulations on that well i appreciate it chris enjoy talking to cap i haven't had a chance to talk to him since last night so tell him i'm happy for him Oh, no doubt. Take care. All right. See ya. I mean, I'm pretty amazed. And now with the CDC coming out today, talking about, I mean, what is it, Cody? We, I, I was listening to it on the radio. I've been, I had a lot of errands to do today. No golfing, um, no mask. We don't have to wear masks inside anymore, right? Yeah. It's something along those lines where, the CDC director said fully vaccinated people can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. So um, that's a good that's a good you know step but back then, to normalcy. The state of California. Yeah, every, everyone's gonna be different. Every local and in state your government. county. Yeah, everyone's gonna be different. All right. Earlier today, I'd love to say um, I'd love to say that I could say to James Caprellian that. The GM said hello, but, you know, this is so close to game time. We, You know, all the, the players, when we tell you all the time, it's taped. You know, these guys got to go early. For God's sakes, Peter Gammons was at 8 a.m. this morning. <laughs> well, it was 11 for him. Oh, 8 a.m. doing an interview. It's like, and I didn't get off the air till yesterday. Till we did, we because of all the stadium stuff, these postgame shows have been a little bit long. By the way, uh, some of the A's fans who – um, Oakland residents have been reaching. I've been, I've been, I've been having a lot of people reach out to me 
and um, they've educated me on some stuff. So this postgame show today, oh, man, I've got some new knowledge of people who are in charge, uh, city council, and certain, and none of this is coming from people who work for the A's. These are people that are in the know that live in Oakland, and, boy, it is not going to be easy what I'm learning. All righty, here's my conversation with last night's winner, James Caprellian. Well, how does it feel to get your very first big league win and to do it on the road in historic Fenway Park? Man, it's feeling good. Uh, I can't lie. It feels really good. It's, it's very special to be here at Fenway and uh, obviously a part of this, this great team that we got going right now. These guys are playing good baseball and for me to be able to contribute and, and, get, and get a win for these guys and uh, just do my part yesterday, it, it feels, feels pretty good. What was it like, you know, once you were done with all the interviews, what was it like after you got the victory inside the clubhouse, whether it's Scott Emerson, it's Bob Melvin, or your teammates, what was it like after all the cameras and all the stuff goes away? Yeah, it's just pretty special because I think you, you know, for me personally, I finally realized, you know, all these things, all these guys here, you know, seen me kind of what I've been going through and how hard I've worked and, you know, things maybe not going my way at times and, uh, you know, sticking with it. And um, after getting that first win, it was was pretty, pretty special to see the excitement on everyone else's face. And, um, you know, knowing that all these guys are are, are pulling for me as well. um, It's just, it's just good to know that I had so many people in my corner and, and, you know, want me to have success and um, just, it just makes me prideful and, and want to continue to work hard and contribute to this, this team. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people really know how much you did go through. Uh, I think you're very similar to Chris Bassett. You know, everybody tries to act like Tommy John surgery is this easy surgery, and that's not the case. And we've really gone over that w- with Chris Bassett. And then, of course, you had other injuries. I uh, Just, you know, talk us through just how miserable it is when you're, when you're hurt and you're rehabbing and you don't feel like you're a part of it. It's just, it's not a whole lot of fun, but you were able to overcome it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a competitor. So for me, you know, I want to be between the lines. I want the ball. I want to be on the field. I want to be out there with the guys. Um, you know, that's, that's what baseball is. It's a great, great thing about the game. And, and when that was taken away from me and, um, I was kind of rolling through some some difficult times with injuries and, and rehab, and um, it was just extremely difficult. And you know, I'm like I said, I'm a competitor. You know, I'm not supposed to be on the training room table, and I've never really had injuries until Tommy John. So this, you know, getting that little injury bug for a bit was was difficult for me to deal with. And um, there was times where it was a lot harder than you know I thought it'd be, and it wasn't necessarily difficult on my body or anything. It was it was my mind. And, uh, you know, I'd gone to some, some kind of dark places and didn't think I was going to be able to, you know, necessarily overcome some of the obstacles that were, you know, thrown at me. And I continued to stick with it and continue to, you know, I guess use the word grind and um, just push through. And, um, you know, I, like, I, like I said, like I had so many people in my corner and, uh, you know, continue to motivate me and, and push me. And um, not that I necessarily needed extra motivation, but just having so many people in my corner, um, you know, made me, it made me kind of who I am, I guess. And you know, what's, you know, so strange and what you've been doing that no one in the history of the game has ever been 
that's, that's ever been done is, you know, basically being at an alternate site. You know, last year it was a, a weird 60-game schedule. You guys are at San Jose Muni where the San Jose Giants play. And then you start the season out at the alternate site again in Stockton. I mean, to not play real baseball games for a long time, what was that like? It's hard. It's extremely difficult. And, uh, you know, we, we made the best of it, those guys who, who I was there with, and uh, we made the best of it again this year. And, and we, you know, I'm trying to stay positive to see your work. And, you know, the, we all have one goal is to contribute to this team at the big league level and, and continue to get better and push each other to get better. And I think we did a really good job of that. But, you know, when you're on, when you're a part of the taxi squad and stuff, it's difficult because you might be, you know, going through these, two week trips with the team where you're not really a part of the team. You're just kind of here and trying to, you know, stay out of the guy's way or who are locked in and trying to win a ball game. Um, but, you know, for me being a starting pitcher, I might've missed two starts in that two week period. So it's difficult because you're trying to get better. You're trying to improve, but you also want to stay ready and, and be able to contribute. So it's a challenge and, and the all type stuff, I'm not going to lie, was difficult. Um, so the fact that we're able to, uh, you know, have guys being able to play, uh, you know, at the triple triple A and, and below levels um, is huge. Now that you know baseball's fully back, and it's a lot. It's good for everyone, I think. You know, during that time, you know, we've we've had Fran Reardon on, and we've talked a lot about you know all the instruction that was going on at the alternate site. Was there something that you learned, something that you worked on, that you were able to, able to utilize in yesterday's game against the Red Sox? Um, I wouldn't say one specific thing I've used in the game but I think just you know knowing that all there's so many things that are out of my control and the sooner that I was able to accept that and you know only only worry about the things that are in my control uh, you know how much energy and effort I'm putting into the, you know, my day-to-day work and just taking pride in in my work and continuing to try and improve and get better um, that's all I can do and and you know a lot of things have to line up sometimes for for you to get an opportunity and um the sooner I realized that and stopped worrying about those kind of things, I think the better it suited me. And, um, you know, starting off the year in the minors this year, I, you know, I, I, I think, I think in my mind's probably in the best place it's ever been just because I'm so fortunate to just be playing baseball again, um, you know, wherever it is. And, and whenever I get the ball, I'm going to treat whatever level I'm at, like big leagues. And um, I think that's all I can really do. Yeah. And I think about that first inning where all of a sudden you got bases loaded you know, what is that like? You know, you're starting for the first time and it's Fenway Park and there's fans in the stands. And, I, you know, what was going through your mind at that point? Yeah, I definitely put myself in a little bit of a situation there that I don't I don't like to I don't like to put myself in those spots, unfortunately. But definitely had some nerves and a little excitement and um, was probably trying to do a little bit too much and, 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 you know, getting away from my game and not really establishing the fastball very well. And. Um, you know, fortunately, my slider was working and, um, you know, Murph did an unbelievable job behind the dish and, and we were able to minimize and, and keep it small. And I know we have a good enough baseball team where ones, ones aren't going to beat us. Uh, but, you know, I got to do a better job of, of, you know, not putting myself in those situations and giving the free 90 feet. And that just can't happen. And that, sh- you know, should never be a part of my game. And hopefully that was the last time uh, for a while that that one happened. You know, whether you're talking about games against the Red Sox, you're talking about games against the Rays, have you got a sense 
that these games, even though they're really early, but it's felt like you guys have been actually been playing playoff games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is a good baseball team, and I think a lot of people want to beat us. And um, but we're taking it to you guys, and and you know, I think every game matters. At the end of the at the end of the day, end of the season, we're going to look back, and every game really does matter, and it's going to play an effect on on you know positioning and all that kind of stuff. So um, you know, this team's locked in, and everyone's everyone's coming prepared to the ballpark every single day, and it's just you know good to be a part of it. Yeah, it's been, it, it really has been a, a lot of fun to watch, and the quality of baseball ha- has been so good. Uh, you've been around this team. Just talk about the chemistry uh, that, that's inside that clubhouse because it seems like it's a really close group. Definitely, um, and I, I think a lot of the older guys have done a really good job with, with the, the, the younger guys like myself and, and showing us the way and, and you know showing us just day-to-day life of, of being a big leaguer and and what it takes to, you know, stay and, and, and be successful here. But the team chemistry, I think, is uh, it's really impressive. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a nod to the guys who are in this, in this clubhouse. And, you know, I talk, I talk to, I've talked to Chap about this quite a bit, actually, is those games that become, you know, tight games, um, you know, where we end up squeaking out those wins, I, I got to think it's because of the chemistry and, and – um, just the camaraderie that the guys have and guys want to pick each other up and guys are all pulling for each other. And uh, it's really just a special group to be a part of. And that's the best part about it. I mean, everyone just wants each other to uh, have success and continue to push each other to get better. And, um, you know, it's just really going to be a part of that now. Feel, feel part of the team. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, when you mention the veteran guys, most people always think of the A's as a young team. This is not a young team at all. You've got most of the guys here are battle-hardened veterans, some guys with World Series rings. You, you, you've got some age in that clubhouse and a lot of knowledge also. Absolutely. I mean, we got guys like Petit, Deke, Moreland, uh, Jed, you know, uh, Elvis. Like, anytime those guys talk, you know, my, my eyes are wide open, my ears are open, and um, they, they do an extremely good job, um, you know, of, of mentoring us, us younger guys especially. And uh, – it's, it's just we got really good chemistry. There's nothing else. Well, I can't tell you how happy we are for you, the A's fan base, and all the all the great things that were said to you, said about you last night in in our post game show with our fans. That they know your history. They know you, you. They know you had an angel looking down on you last night, who we yeah. know was very proud of you. So congratulations on that win. It was a terrific effort, and we can't wait to see you grow more. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for having me tonight. Yeah, what a, what a, what a what a great story. I mean, really a great story. Can we officially you know, say my heart it? goes out to him? I lost my mother to breast cancer also, and it's um, you know you you think about a moment like that where how many times mom took you to practice? How many times mom picked you up? And you saw the emotions of his dad. I mean, it's great stuff. And he was good last night. I was really impressed with his slider. I mean, this is a guy that could be a rotation guy for years to come. Everything is fluid, as they say, with the Oakland Athletics. Well, when he was talking, saying how the veteran guys in the clubhouse, and he's talking about everything, I'm thinking like, 
He's 27 also. So it's not like he's like a 22-year-old kid coming in first big league experience. He's 27 years old already. So, yeah. and, and you mentioned how everything's fluid. Can we finally say that the A's won the Sonny Gray trade? No. <laughs> Small sample size, I see. But I had no problem with the Sonny Gray trade. Do I need to go over the stats again of how Sonny was getting hit around the, the old ballpark? No, because we're out of time, but uh, but we know how bad they, they are. Especially they New very York. Good. When Especially when New Sonny, York. Sonny Gray at one point became almost batting practice. And then he wilted in New York. Now, it's ha- I'm happy for him that he's rebounded in Cincinnati. But, huh, that's another guy. Why don't we sign him long term? No. Can you imagine you signing him long term? He's got a five ERA. There's a lot. What, what, what did David say? It's a transactional organization. Yes. <laughs> All righty. I'll be back in like nine minutes. What are you playing here? Uh, we're going to play Steve Ketman yesterday, the, the author of the new Pedro Gomez, the stories of Pedro Gomez. So Yeah. The guy who was a beat writer in the late 90s and wrote an article in 1997 (laughs) talking about the A's moving to Vegas. In 1997, that's how long this this journey to get a new ballpark, it's been going on forever. It's been a quarter century almost. A quarter (laughs) century. (laughs) All right, we'll be back in a few. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.